earlier this week, I, uh, I heard a story, actually I read a story from 2009. Uh, it was a story of a 23-year-old man named Stephen and a, his 20-year-old sister named Catherine. They were suing their mother uh, for emotional distress and for bad parenting, for ne- neglect. Uh, and as I read the story uh, and I saw why they were suing her, I couldn't believe it. Uh, Stephen was suing her because uh, she didn't send him any care packages while he was at college. Catherine was suing her because she wouldn't pay for her homecoming dress in high school. And Stephen was also bringing charges against her because she sent him a birthday card without any money in it. They were suing her for $50,000. And Stephen got up in court, presented the card, and said this was inappropriate. And he said, all that was in this card is this handwritten note, which said, have a great day, love and hugs, have a great day, mom. XO, XO, XO. And if that wasn't bad enough, they lived with their father in his $1.5 million home. Entitlement. As you hear that story, you can't help but think, man, these are some entitled brats. That's what they are. That is what they are. And I think we can all agree that entitlement is a pretty unattractive quality in somebody. Uh, And I'm sure you've seen someone who's entitled. I'm I'm sure you've heard stories of how people are entitled. And you're like, man, that's unattractive. It's a good thing we're not like that, right? (laughs) Poor baby Hannah. (laughs) Knocked her head on the chair. (laughs) But it's so easy, isn't it, to look at people who are entitled and think, man, I'm glad I'm not like that. And the scary thing about entitlement is that as we're doing that, it's slowly wrapping its chains around us when we least expect it. And it holds on. And so how do we break free? How do we prevent this from happening? That's what we're going to talk about today. And to do so, we're going to look at Numbers chapter 23. We're going to look at the Israelites and how they were entitled people. But before we do, I want to give you some background uh, because otherwise it's not going to make as big of an impact. Uh, So background information. 2000 BC, God calls Abraham. He says, Abraham, you are going to bless the world. I'm going to make... Every nation uh, uh, blessed through you. I'm going to make you into a great nation, Abraham. Go to the land I show you. God brought him to the land of Canaan. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob had 12 sons. And God also nicknamed Jacob Israel. And so when you talk about the Israelites, you talk about the children of Israel, they are all descendants from Jacob. As I said, Jacob had 12 sons living in Canaan when a severe drought and famine happened. And it just so happened that one of Jacob's sons, his 11th son, Joseph, was second in command in Egypt. And Egypt was the only place that had food. So Joseph said, come on down, guys. I'll provide for you. So they moved to Egypt. Joseph died. The king of Egypt died. A new king took over. And he made all of the Israelites slaves. And it was so harsh that they cried out to God. They cried out to God. 
Finally, in 1500 BC, God sent Moses, uh, who led the people out of Egypt. And God said, we're going to the promised land. We're going to the land of Canaan. Come with. And they get to the land of Canaan. They send spies in. And the spies come back and say, we can't do it. These people are huge. We are like little grasshoppers in their sight. They're going to conquer us and kill us all. And God said, I told you I was with you. I told you you could take this land over. I told you it was yours. But you don't want to go in? Fine. You're not going to go in. The younger generation will. And for 40 years, they wander in the wilderness until the older generation all dies off. That's happened. And in Numbers chapter 21, they are going into the land of Canaan. They're getting ready. They're starting to fight. And here's what happens. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. So here's what we got. Here is Mount Hor right here. Here is Edom. So remember how I told you that Jacob had two sons, Esau, uh, or Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Edom are descendants from Esau. And so God said, as you're coming up through Canaan to take it over, don't take over the Edomites because they're, they're family. And so they come to the border of Edom and they, they said, can we pass through your land? And Edomites said, nope. And they brought an army out and stood at the border and said, you can't cross here. And so what it did is force all the Israelites to now go down through the wilderness and up and around Edom. Uh, it says Edom over here, but Edom's more like right here. Uh, and go up and around Edom so that they could come in this way. And so what do we have? We've got a group of people that are ready to go into the land of Canaan, trusting God, and now they have this long detour to get around. And they don't think they deserve it. And so here's your first point in your worship folder. Entitlement comes from thinking you deserve something. And that's what we really see here, right? The Israelites get all upset. Why? Because they think they deserve to go into the promised land. They weren't their parents. They weren't their ancestors. They trust God. They're ready to go in. They're ready to take the land. They know they can because God's on their side. In fact, just, just before this, they took over their first Canaanite city, Arad. Completely destroyed it. They were ready to continue to go on. They weren't their parents. They trusted God. They didn't deserve to have to be wandering anymore. And on top of that, they were sick and tired of this manna and quail that they've been eating for 40 years. The same meal for 40 years. They didn't deserve this. They deserved to be in the land of Canaan where they were eating some other food other than manna and quail. Again, their ancestors were the ones that blew it. Not them. They didn't deserve it. And what happens when you're entitled? You get frustrated when you're not getting what you think you deserve. 
That leads to angry, to anger. And then it starts complaining. And sadness. And that's what we see with the Israelites, right? They start complaining against God and even take a cheap shot at Him. God, why did you bring us out, to, uh, out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Thanks a lot, God. Complete cheap shot. Because they knew for 40 years, God provided them with food. For 40 years, God has provided them with water. For 40 years, their sandals haven't worn out. Their clothes haven't deteriorated. And yet they took the cheap shot at God because they didn't deserve to go south. They deserved to go in. You see, entitlement doesn't have to be as big, I'll say, as uh, the introduction with Stephen and Catherine. It doesn't have to be some gross story like that. It can be a lot smaller of a scale. And that's what we see from the Israelites. All they were asking, all they thought they deserved, was something other than manna and quail. All they thought they deserved was to not travel anymore after traveling for 40 years. That's it. It's not a ridiculous request. It doesn't have to be like the introduction. It can be on a lot smaller scale. Today, it can be for the husband and wife who are trying to have kids and trying to have kids. And God keeps saying no. No. They can get frustrated angry and start complaining. God, we deserve to have a kid because we've done it right. We're not sleeping around with random people and happen to get pregnant. We're doing it right. We deserve this. It can be that, that man who uh, wants to get a new job because it's going to be better for their family. And so he applies, he applies, he, he tries to get the promotion. Even though he thinks he deserves it, he misses out. God, I deserve this. I'm trying to take care of the family you gave me. I'm trying to do what you wanted. It's that family that uh, is trying to get back on track financially speaking because they know it's what God wants. And so they're, they're working at it, they're working at it, and yet roadblock after roadblock comes up and they can't get financially on track. God, we're trying to do what you want. We're cutting all of this stuff out of our life. We deserve it. It's that woman who is crying because even though she's followed God through her whole life, her marriage is falling apart. And as she, li- as she lies on the couch at night, crying out from a broken heart, She says, God, I don't deserve this. I have been faithful. And finally, it's that young man who's gone through hardship after hardship after hardship in life. And he finally cries out and says, God, I deserve to be happy. I deserve it, God. I've been faithful. And of course, nothing brings out entitlement in us as like when something gets taken away from us. Whether it be a job, a house, a car, a loved one. And then we cry out, God, I don't deserve this. I deserve to have those things. Entitlement doesn't have to be some big, grand, uh, unattractive quality. It, it, It comes at us and wraps itself around us and just little subtle ways. And here's what happened to the Israelites. 
Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Uh, If you're familiar with this story, you might have this picture in your head where uh, God just kind of rained down snakes or or brought them from some unknown area and and they started attacking the people. But actually, the the place where they were traveling, going south through that area, was known for its venomous snakes. That whole area has venomous snakes everywhere. And so up until this point, you get the picture, they haven't really had any problems with the snakes, and now they do. God says, go ahead, snakes, go in. And the question is, why? Is God sending them in because He says, you want to complain? You're going to learn to keep your mouth shut, and that's it, and you're going to fall in line? No. We know from other parts of Scripture that our God is a loving God. Yes, He disciplines, but He's always trying to teach the Israelites and us something. So the question is, what is He trying to teach us? God is saying here, Israelites, I am providing for you every single day. If you want what you deserve, if you want what you're entitled to, this is it. Here it is, the snakes. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Wages. What we earn, what we deserve, what we're entitled to for our work is death because we sin. And the Israelites were learning that firsthand. This is what they deserved. They didn't deserve God's grace because they were sinners. And that's what God's trying to teach them. Look, this is what you actually deserve, and yet what have I done for you? I provide for you every single day. I give you water. I give you uh, food. Uh, I give you clothing. I make sure your sandals don't run out. I give you protection from the snakes. This is what God says. This is what He's trying to teach them. And the people finally realize it. And so they say, we've sinned. Moses, pray to God. And here's how God responds. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. God told Moses, Okay, make this bronze snake. Put it up on a pole. And whoever looks at it will be miraculously healed. Was it the snake that had the power? No. The power came from God's promise, right? The promise that when you look at it and believe, you will be cured. And that's what happened. Did the people deserve it? Did they do anything to, to get this grace? Absolutely not. They're laying on the, on the desert floor with venom coursing through their veins. They didn't deserve to be saved, and yet God saved them. And so now here's the question. What do we learn from this? What are we taking away from it? How does this fit in with entitlement? Right? Because that's the topic we're talking about. Well, if you're following along, here's 
the next point. If God gave us what we deserved, we would all be dead. We would. Just as... (laughs) Just as the Israelites, they... (laughs) Just as the Israelites... uh, they deserved death. That's what God said. He said, look, this is what sin deserves. And we are no different. We are sinners too. And if God gave us what we deserved, we would all be dead. And no matter how hard we try, no matter how good of a life we live, no matter uh, our best efforts, we are still sinners that haven't lived up to God's expectations. And God is very clear. Our holy and perfect God is very clear. You either live perfectly and get heaven, or you sin and you deserve death. And this completely obliterates entitlement. Because the thing that we, are, the thing that we deserve, the one prize that we're entitled to, we don't even want. We don't even want it. And yes, that's, that's the only thing we're entitled to, that we deserve. So number one, if God gave us what we deserved, we would be dead. But number two, God gives us what we don't deserve. The snakes had its desired effect on the Israelites, right? God wanted them to realize that God, that God is providing for them. And they realized that. They realized that it was completely by God's grace that He was saving them, providing for them. And that's what God wants us to realize too. He wants us to realize that He gives us what we don't deserve. If what we deserve is death, everything that God gives us in life is a complete gift. All our our physical needs are met. He guards and protects us against Satan and his demons every single day. He He makes sure that we have breath and life. And of course... He has saved us not just physically, but eternally. The Israelites, when they were bitten, they had, as I said, that venom coursing through their vein, and God saved them. And the same is true for us. We've been bitten by something far worse than snakes with venom. We've been bitten by sin. And if God doesn't intervene, if God doesn't send down His grace to us, we'd all be dead. And yet He does. And Jesus powerfully... Uh, lets us know this. In John chapter 3, when Jesus was on earth, here's his commentary on this section in, in Numbers. He says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Just as Moses lifted up that snake and whoever looked at that snake lived, God lifted up His own Son onto the cross. That whoever looks at Him and believes in Him will never perish, but have eternal 
life. Jesus lived and He died. And when He died, He didn't just cure cure you from snakes' venom. He cured you from the bite of sin. From the disease of sin. And that's what He's done for you. His blood shed on the cross cured you from all sin. You are forgiven. And now, He gives you the life that is entitled only to Jesus. As I mentioned, it's either one or the other. Either you live up to God's expectations and you receive heaven, or you sin and you receive death. Jesus is that only person, He's the only person who lived perfectly and earned God's grace, who earned heaven. And now Jesus says to you, let me share. I want to share with you. And He gives you every single treasure that there is in heaven. Treasures that uh, aren't just here today and gone tomorrow. They never spoil. They never fade away. They never perish. But He's given you eternal treasures of heaven. He's given you peace. Knowing that your relationship with God has been fixed because of His perfect life, innocent death, and resurrection. He's given you uh, hope. And not hope as in like, man, I really hope this happens, but more, it's a sure hope. It's a certainty that death isn't our end, but heaven is ours. And He's given us comfort and joy, knowing that we are going to see our loved ones in Christ again when we die and rise again and we get to heaven where we won't, even, well, where we won't just see our loved ones, but we will see Jesus, our Savior, face to face. You see, in Jesus... He's given us all the treasures that there are in heaven. And that leads us to our last point, number three. In Jesus, we go from entitlement to contentment. We won't always receive what we think we deserve. We won't always receive what we want. That's just not going to happen in this life. But in Jesus, God gives us way more than we could ever imagine or we could ever Want. He's given us forgiveness and all the joys of heaven. It's easy to look around our life, isn't it, and say, man, I want that. I think I deserve this. And yet, God gives us what we don't deserve. And praise God for that. Praise God. May God be with you this week as He continually reminds you day after day that He has given you more than you could ever dream of. As He's given you forgiveness, life, and salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we praise and thank You for everything that You give us day after day. Uh, The Bible says that uh, Your mercies are new every morning. And that is true. Your grace showers us every single day with every blessing that we have and we thank You for that. We know we're undeserving and yet we praise You that You continue to love us through Jesus who lived and died and rose again that we may enjoy the eternal treasures of heaven both now and in eternity. Amen.